chapter 5. We'll begin to read this morning, verse number 17. For a few moments this morning, I want to speak to you on this subject, at the crossroads of decision. At the crossroads of decision. Acts chapter 5, and we'll begin to read this morning in verse number 17. And there the Bible says, Then the high priest rose up, and all those who were with him, which is of the sect of Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation, and laid their hands on the apostles, and put them in the common prison. But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors, and brought them out, and said, this is on behalf of God, Go stand in the temple, and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning, and taught. But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together with all the elders and the children of Israel and sent them to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported, saying, Indeed, we found the prison shut securely and the guards standing outside before the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. But when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. So one came and told them, saying, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should be stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on the tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. And when they heard this, they were furious and they plotted to kill them. Then one of the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in respect by all the people and commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Thutius rose up, claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain, and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. And this man, Judas of Galilee, he rose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him. He also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone, for if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you can do nothing to overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. And they agreed with him. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name, and daily in the temple and in every house they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ, chapter 6, verse 1. Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that your spirit would speak to us, challenge us today, oh God. I pray if there's one amongst us again, God, that's never been saved, God, they'll respond to the plan of salvation and receive the man of salvation to be Lord of their life today. Father, I pray you'll encourage your church to have this kind of resolve and this kind of grit about God things that really matter, things of eternal consequence. And I pray, God, that you'll find us in these days faithfully, without fear, being obedient to what you've called us to do. And God, I pray as we come to those crossroads of decisions, when Satan tempts us to stop, or to let up, when adversity, hardship, challenges, just things in life come against us that seek to derail us. Satan seeks to use them to turn us away from what you've called us to do. God, I pray that we'll be found pressing forward in faithfulness. Bless this time. Encourage us. God, I pray as we come to a time of invitation, whatever you call us to do today, 
we'll respond to it, that your best might be found in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And I'll invite you uh, to be seated. Now, as we go through this study in the book of Acts, uh, we may skip ahead a little bit because at different times over the past year, uh, we've preached different passages of Scripture from the book of Acts. And so I'm not going to go back and re-preach a text that I just preached two months ago. And so we're skipping ahead uh, into the mid part of chapter number five. Last week we saw in chapter number two, uh, the day the church was born, we saw the Holy Spirit fall. Uh, we saw the thousands that came to Christ, the miracle of tongues and the biblical definition of tongues, how people from with a different dialect could hear the gospel in their own language from someone who did not possess the knowledge of how to speak in that language. And the church continued to grow. We saw that as they were just moving about in chapter 3, uh, there they met a man who was looking for silver and gold, but they didn't have any silver and gold to give him, but what they did have, they gave him. And they saw a visible representation of the gospel, a changed life. As a man who had been lame his whole life leaped up and began to, re to leap and to run and to praise God, and everybody knew that it was a man who was laid daily at the gate, beautiful. And that's a picture of what Jesus Christ does in someone's life who's been found crippled in sin. We saw Peter and John arrested in chapter 4 as they stood between, before uh, the religious supreme court of the world. And they said, as they said here in chapter 5, we're not going to shut up talking about Jesus. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved than Jesus Christ. And so in verse number 12, the church just continues to grow. Lives are being changed. But remember that the Judaic leaders uh, of, of Jerusalem, the same crowd that Jesus had dealt with, now the church is going to have to deal with, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And so, friend, listen, Satan doesn't care what or who he uses to oppose the work of the gospel. And I found in ministry, and you'll be reminded from our study in the book of Ephesians, that it's not a person that's your enemy. It's the devil that works through them. Because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And so if you're really going to defeat the enemy, you've got to know who the real enemy is. And so the real enemy of the church was not the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It was the devil. And it's still the devil today. And so we're going to face challenges. We're going to face adversity. Your family's going to face challenges and adversities. You seek to live on mission. And we've been going through a discipleship study teaching you how to live on mission. And if you're committed to that, I've already heard so many positive reports. A sister shared with me the other night how she witnessed to a family member. So encouraging to, to hear how people are beginning to be obedient to what God's called us to do as we seek to live on mission. As you do that and you're given to that, listen, you've got an enemy. And Satan's going to try to intimidate you, get you distracted, bring challenges, overwhelm you with fear. Whatever it takes, he doesn't care as long as you stop. He cannot take your soul. But if he can rob you of your effectiveness in Great Commission work, then it might rob someone else. It might rob someone of going to heaven. And so the new church was facing persecution uh, through these Judaic religious leaders. They were rising up against them, but they put words with it. Look at verse number 18 of Acts chapter 5. They laid their hands on them. Now listen, sometimes when people come to pray, we'll lay our hands upon their back. That's not what was happening. They laid their hands upon them for physical pain. Uh, they were beating these guys up. They laid their hands on the apostles, and they put them in prison. They were, they were giving them a good whipping uh, because of what they were preaching, because of their doctrine. And so there were these young disciples now, and they were like hearing the message of the apostles. Hey, listen, Acts 1-8, Matthew 28, Jesus has called us to be his witnesses. And that's what we need to do. We need to, you need to go tell people what's happened to you. And so they were excited. Don't miss this. They were excited about that. They were encouraged. And they were like, yeah, that's what Peter and James and John and the others are doing. Where are they at? Oh, they're in prison. Well, did they not pay their taxes where they were speaking? No, they got put in prison for witnessing. Now go witness. They're like, but am I going to get put in prison too? And so that was the threat. And so as they were seeking to, to, to live on mission, they stood at a crossroads of decision. Am, am I going to get put in prison? Is this going to happen to me as well? Am I going to get beaten up? 
Am I going to be able to buy bread for my family? The early church couldn't buy silver trade because they wouldn't renounce their faith in Christ. Is this going to affect me economically? Is my culture group, my friends? And listen, that's one of the things, one of the things I see that so challenges discipleship today, friend. I've recognized this more than ever in the last years of pastor. It's people scared to death what their peers and their peer group are going to think about them. They make decisions for their life and their health based upon what their peer group's going to say to them. Friend, listen, if you're ever going to serve Jesus Christ, you've got to come to a place that you don't give a rip what anybody else says about you, and you only want God to be pleased with you. If you are held captive, just always worried what someone's going to say or think about, you're never going to live to the fullest for Jesus Christ. And so there's, there's, there's that crossroads of decision where they continue on. Will they be obedient to Christ's command or will they cave in and will they simply disperse and fail to share the gospel? Like them, we often find ourselves at these crossroads in our, in our lives. And Satan will always seek, friend, to oppose and to make a road away from God. I promise you, friend, the easy road is always the road that Satan's wanting you to take. It's the easy road. The hard road is the road that moves forward because it causes us, listen, to trust in the Lord to depend wholly upon Him. We, we shared this many times with you. Don't ever tell someone, well, God will never put more on you than you can bear. You won't find that in the Bible. Friend, God will put things on you. If you're, if you're living in unrepented sin, He'll weigh you and burden you down to bring you to your knees until you turn to Him. And anything you can accomplish in ministry that's easy and on your own, friend, you're doing it without God. You're doing it without him. That's the thing, friend, that we come to the place that it's that I can accomplish it. Jesus says, John 15, 5, without me, you can do nothing. But Paul says in Philippians 4, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so there are these crossroads of decision. And Satan tries to make the, the way away from God so appealing. And I want to remind you, friend, that it's the broad road that Jesus said that leads to destruction. And it's always the broad road that the majority of the crowd is on that's away from the Lord and away from His will. And so from the response of these apostles, we can learn some lessons on how to respond when we stand at a crossroads of decision. That's where they're at. Keep speaking in Jesus' name. Keep living on mission. And you're going to face hardship and opposition. Well, how did they respond and how can we respond? Number one, when you stand at the crossroads of decision, fearlessly face your opposition. Fearlessly face your opposition. Not in your strength, but in the strength of the Lord. The battle's not ours, friend. It's the Lord's. And we've got to be constantly reminded, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Ephesians 6, He's my shield. He's my guard. He's my armament who is before me. And in Him I can do all things. From a human standpoint, they had every reason to be afraid. They, they, couldn't, they couldn't do anything to stay out of jail. They couldn't defeat the authorities. And they were in the minority, not the majority. And friend, it's so sad to me. I realize America was founded on biblical principles, but friend, if you've, not had, if you've had your head in the sand, you may not realize this. America's not a Christian country anymore. And we are not the majority. We're the minority because the church has failed to live on mission. And so now, the, if, you, if you honor God and you stand on His Word, you're, you're in a small group. The majority of people, they don't believe anything. And so that can be overwhelming to to think about that. And so from a human standpoint, they had every reason to be fearful. They faced jail. They possibly faced death. Apart from this, the church still had other challenges. Organization, keeping everybody together from dispersing, encouraging one another to keep moving forward. I mean, can you imagine? Now listen, you need to come to church. You need to let everybody know you're safe. You're probably going to go to jail if you do. But you need, you need to do this. Try to place that on today. Now, we really want you to come to a Bible study connection class on Sunday morning. Now, you're probably going to lose your job if you do. And you're not going to be able to pay your mortgage. 
And listen, you need, you need, when you're down at the ball field and in your neighborhood, you need to try to be winning your neighbors to faith in Jesus Christ. And we just want to let you know that if, if you do do that, though, the sheriff's probably going to come and arrest you because you're telling people there's no other way to be saved but through Jesus. So, but, but you keep doing that. Can you imagine that? Listen, friend, you, you can hardly get, it's hard to get people to come to church, period. And I know you're here, and I'm thankful for that. But it's hard to encourage people to do things today. And we live in a free country, at least for now. But can you imagine the challenge that those early church leaders faced trying to get people... Now listen, we want you to come show up to be listeners in Awana. We're starting this new ministry. The church is about three months old. It, you know, it all fell at Pentecost, and we're so excited we started this new ministry called Awana. We need listeners. Show up, be a listener, and you're probably going to go to jail right as soon as it's all over. Who wants to sign up? And that's, that's the challenge that they faced. And so they stood at a crossroads, keep moving forward in faithfulness or yield to the fear of what man can do to you. And so they, they saw this, and friend, they were experiencing it. And I want you to know, even still today, in, in your family, in your personal walk, you're going to face challenges that will bring you to a crossroads. If you listen, when a, when a when a person who's been involved in a sinful lifestyle gets saved, they've got choices to make because all their friends were lost, most likely. They had relationships, they had things that they did, people that they ran with, and now they've got to make a choice. Am I going to truly push away from all of that and try to win them to Christ, but push away from that lifestyle and lose that friendship? And when a disciple really realizes, man, I've got to get all in. I can't just have Jesus on Sunday when I need to be on the prayer list and really be all in. If I'm going to be all in, I've got to be all in. And when a person begins to live that way, if they've not been all in, they've probably been running with friends that are straddling the fence. Are they going to yield to that pressure? Are they going to, are they going to be okay with not having people surrounding them constantly that are living that way? There's, there's choices, that there's crossroads that you have to stand at. And fear can overwhelm you. But God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. And we find our strength and we're to find our security in Jesus Christ. And so we find here in the first part of Acts chapter 5, they've been in prison. Verse 18 says that, they're, that the Pharisees, the guards, have laid their hands on them. They're in prison. They're bruised. They're beaten. But look what the Bible says in verse number 19. But at night an angel of the Lord, his messenger, came and opened the doors and brought them out and said, Go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Now they had to sit and think about that. Now all the words that we spoke got us where we are. I've got pump knots, abrasions, bruises, no ibuprofen. I'm in bad shape. And God now has opened the door and says, now go do it again. Go do it again. And so standing before them, Satan's going, you're going to end up right back in here. And it's going to be worse next time. You better be afraid. You need to be afraid. And they've got a choice to make now as they stand at that crossroads to fearlessly face that opposition. And friend, I, listen, I know a lot of churches will try to tell you, you know, be saved and it's going to be buy one, get one free and the sun's always going to shine on your life every day. No, friend, I'm going to give you the facts. Through much tribulation, the Bible says, we'll enter the kingdom of God. And if you've never faced any tribulation in your spiritual walk, then you're, listen, you're going in the same direction the devil's going. But when you're going in the direction that Jesus is going, you're going to walk against Satan. You're going to walk against the world. And you're going to face opposition. You're going to face challenges. And Satan tries to use all of those things to bring you a place that you become fearful. And that fearfulness will move you into a place of disobedience to God and the call upon his life. But if you're going to be faithful, friend, you have to fearlessly face your opposition. It begins with naming the enemy, knowing the enemy, and friend, the knowing that Satan is defeated in Jesus' name. And greater is he that's within us than he that's within the world. I don't have a crystal ball 
And I don't know what's going to happen, but I believe this with all my heart. We're living in a different America than we were 12 months from last year. And I don't know what's going to happen in the days to come. But friend, I believe there's going to be difficult days before Christ raptures his church. It's more difficult now in ministry than it was 20 years ago. We're going to, we're going to come to crossroads. We're going to have to make a decision whether we're going to... And listen, a lot of people you know, have this hashtag faith not fear about things that they've chosen in their life. Friend, I want to remind you something. This isn't something that they came up with. They weren't deciding whether to bungee jump off the pinnacle of the temple. You know, so I've got faith God's going to take care of me. Jesus said in the beginning of the Gospels, that's tempting God. God told them to go speak. It's not something that they willed up or they wanted or they decided. And so God's called them to do this. The enemy's telling them, don't do it. These are the consequences. And they've got to make a choice. And we're going to have to make those same choices in these days. And I just encourage you, friend, just be faithful. Just be faithful. Uh, there's so many things that, well, if, we know if, if, I, if I try to encourage my children, you know, to only watch godly, wholesome things, you know, is, is it going to stun? All the psychologists say it's going it's to stun them if you encourage. Have faith, friend. Don't be fearful. Well, if I, if I put Jesus first in, in all things, I'm not going to have any fun time. Everybody else is just burning the roads up on the weekend. I'm not going to Friend, listen, you're going to find joy like you can't know it when you yield yourself to Christ and Him alone. So don't let the devil cause you to be fearful. Fearlessly face your opposition. Number two, when you stand at the crossroads of decision, faithfully follow God's Word. Faithfully follow God's word. What did God told them to do? Be my witnesses. That was in general. But listen, they got, they got a one-on-one. They got an A-mail. They got an angel mail. An angel came. I just coined that. Did y'all like that? Anyway. An angel came and began to speak to them. says, listen, this is on behalf of God. Go stand in the temple. So he tells them what to do. Go. That means get out of here. They were in a place of safety inside the prison. Staying in the prison, the Pharisees and Sadducees weren't going to beat them up anymore. They got what they wanted. They weren't talking about Jesus anymore. He says, go, and then go stand in the temple. What was in the temple? That's where all the false doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees was taking place. He said, I want you to go to ground zero. And I want you to stand right in the midst of all that false teaching is, and I want you to declare truth. Go stand in the temple and speak to all the people all the words of this life. The life that now you've experienced. What life? Eternal life. Ephesians 2.2, Paul says, you who are dead in trespasses and sin. He says, you go down there and you let them all know. They are dead as a stump. They're dead as a hammer spiritually. John 3, Jesus said to Nicodemus, just like the Pharisees of Pharisees, he says, you must be born again. He says, you go down there and tell all that religious crowd they need to be saved or they're going to split hell wide open. Well, doing that before, God is where we are. So first they had to choose to fearlessly face the opposition, but now they've got to faithfully follow God's word. Well, they do that, but the Pharisees aren't over. God led them out. The Pharisees sent to find out about him. Look at verse number 22. says, well, go get him out so we can talk to him again. But the officers came. He didn't find them in the prison. They returned and reported, saying, indeed, we found the prison shut securely, the guards standing outside the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. And when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. And so one came and told them, saying, look, the men whom you put in prison put in prison for speaking about Jesus, teaching about Jesus, and commanded not to do it anymore, they're standing in the temple teaching the people. What were they doing? They were obeying the Word of God. Friend, God's told us to go. He's told us to be witnesses. Now, I want to tell you something. Down on the job, it's not going to be a welcome place for the gospel. Now, I want to remind you, too, there's, there's balance. I've shared with you some of the nuttiest people are seminary students. I mean, they're just, they're nuts. You know, and I've listened to prayer requests before classes start, and people, you know, and this guy would, you know, be some guy would say, well, I just need, I just need some prayer. Um, I think I'm going to lose my job. 
because I've been witnessing on the job. And everybody you know, else would be like, oh, you know, there'd be the collective, oh, bless you, brother, bless you. And I was just sitting there, I was like, wait, there's more to this. There's more to this. And then, so I began to ask, I said, well, when were you witnessing? Well, I mean, when I was working. I was like, look, your, your boss didn't hire you to come preach the gospel. He hired you to make the widgets. And really, if you want to honor God, make the widgets from when the whistle blows to the whistle blows again, but from walking from the factory to the truck, then tell them about Jesus. So you're not suffering for Christ. You're being lazy. They didn't, you're, the place where you work didn't hire you to lean up against the water cooler, to gripe, to whine, to stir up trouble. They hired you to work as unto the Lord, and you ought to do it. With all your might, friend, listen, that is a greater witness than if you stand with the Bible and preach Jesus all day long. But witness with your life, but then when you have opportunity on lunch and on break, you need to talk and try to build relationships with people and interject Jesus where you can. Because you seek to do that, just know, friend, you're going to face challenges. Not everybody's going to want to hear that. It's not a welcome message. Lost people don't want to hear that they're going to hell. They don't want to hear that that's the end of the road. But God hasn't called us to give people what they want. He's called us to give people what they need. And what they need to hear is the gospel, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. The soul that sinneth shall surely die. Except you repent, you'll all likewise perish. But if by faith you turn and trust Jesus Christ, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's what God's called us to do. And you're, that's not going to be a welcome message, your family member that's living in sin, visibly say, well, I can't judge anybody. Let me tell you something. If they're shacked about a wedlock, there's, you're not judging anybody. You can see they're living in sin. They've always got a beer in their hand. You're not judging them. They're living in sin. If they never darken the door of the church, you're not judging them. They're living in sin. If nothing but trash comes out of their mouth and through their eyes and in their ears, you're not judging them. You're just sitting. Listen, friend, if I walk into an apple orchard and I see a tree that's got a trunk, it's got brown limbs, and it's got green leaves, and there's apples hanging all over it, I'm not judging that by saying, well, that's an apple tree. You're known by your fruit. You're known by your fruit. But when you share people and say, look, you're an apple tree. No, I'm not. I'm a pear tree. No, you're an apple tree. You got apples. No, I'm a pear tree. When you tell people they're lost, they don't want to hear that. And you don't have a choice to make whether to faithfully follow God's word. He's called us to be witnesses and to invite people to turn and receive Jesus Christ, not as their Savior, as their Lord. Whosoever calls upon the name of who? The Lord will be saved. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord. For him to be Lord of all, Lord of their life. So don't expect obedience to disarm the devil because it won't, friend. It'll only encourage him. I've got good news. You want the bad news or the good news first? All right, I'll give you the bad news first. The more you seek to live on mission, the more you seek to honor Christ, the more you seek to be a godly husband, a godly wife, a godly mom or dad, a godly grandparent, the more you seek to use your retirement time to honor God and to build His kingdom, the more you seek to be all in, the devil's going to be more against you. He's going to fight you at every turn. He's going to try to fill your mornings with everything in the world you need to do but to read God's Word and spend time in prayer. Every person you know you need to build a relationship with to try to reach them for Christ. He's going to try to fill that time and, or fill your mind with fear and give you all the reasons why you shouldn't witness and do that. He's going to be on you. He's going to be against you. Now, that's the bad news. Now, here's the good news. Greater is he that's within you than he that's within the world. And when you claim Satan to be a defeated foe, in Jesus' name, he must depart. Isn't that great? But that's not always the case. You know, if someone tries to break into your house, you may miss them. I mean, you may miss them. The sheriff may not show up on time. You may not be able to defeat the person that breaks into your house. But you can always defeat Satan. There'll never be a time that Satan is not defeatable. That's good news. 
But to do that, friend, you've got to faithfully follow God's word. And so they begin to ask in verse number 28, the Pharisees do, didn't we strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you filled Jerusalem with doctrine, and you intend to bring this man's, this man's blood upon us. Friend, listen, the voice of culture today is, don't, don't be a fanatic. You know, believe in Jesus, put a fish on your car, be joined to a church, especially one that's got a big youth group and big children's ministry, because the kids are going to like the numbers. And you're going to be able to make a lot of friends. You know, and you can, you can go to in-house Bible studies, and it's really fun to hang out. It's really fun to hang out. So, so do all those things, you know, but, you know, go when it's convenient. Find a church that's not always coming down on you about sin and holiness, and commitment, and surrender. And my heavens, if one even mentions discovering your spiritual gift, run, it's a cult. Stay away from the church that talks about spiritual gifts and serving. That's what the work, but when you get get all in, friend, listen, you're going to be on the outside, not on the inside. You're going to be in the minority. And that's, that's, that's what they were having. Says, didn't, we, didn't we tell you not to do this? Didn't we strictly command you not to teach in Jesus' name? You, you guys are just, you're too zealous. That's what the world's going to say about you. And friend, I'm telling you, that's what ride the fence Laodicean Christians today, in which the, the church we're living in today, the Laodicean, that's what they're going to say about you. If you seek to be an on fire, all in, I'm going to live for Jesus on mission Christian. Man, you're just, you're, you're, you're too zealous. You're, you're too all in. Well, look what the Bible says in verse number 29. Their response was, But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. You see, we don't care what culture says. We don't care what's normalized among other people. We don't care what everybody else is doing. God said we were to live on mission. That settles it, and that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. He said we're going to faithfully follow God's Word. And friend, I'm telling you, when you faithfully follow God's Word to the letter, everybody's not going to be happy about it. You're going to lose friends. Friend, even within the church, sometimes people are going to be against you. I had a lady stand tell me one time, well, I, I know it says it in the Bible, but I don't care. It wasn't in this church. Everybody, when I say that, everybody's, I wonder who it was. When I first started ministry, I'll never forget it. I was standing in, in the office by a copier. And we were just having a general conversation about something the Bible says we're not to do as Christians. She says, I don't care if it's in the Bible. I don't like it. At least she had the guts to say it. At least she had the guts to say it. A lot of people think it, but they just won't say it. I don't care the Bible says I'm supposed to witness I don't care the Bible says I'm to forgive my neighbor. I don't, care, I don't care the Bible says I'm supposed to tithe. I don't care the Bible says I'm to discover my spiritual gift and to serve, not just to sit. I don't care. I don't care. They may not say it, but they think it, and then they live it out. They live it out. They said, listen, we don't care what you say. We're going to obey God. And they didn't soften the message. And so their choice of roads was guided by God's Word. And that's my encouragement. Let the Word of God be a lamp into your feet and a light into your path. At every decision in life, friend, God has a direction He wants you to go. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust the Lord. So there must be an evidence of lordship. Trust the Lord. Have to have a relationship. He must be Lord. Trust the Lord with all your heart, every bit of it. That means it's not divided. Matthew 6, he's Lord of all. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Well, I think I need to go, or this is the direction. Really, what I, when you say, I think I need to go this way, what that literally translates in the original language is this. This is the direction I want to go. This is the direction my heart tells me. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, that means how you think, speak, and act. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. What am I acknowledging? Lordship. Lordship. In every way, how I think, speak, and act, I'm acknowledging the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And what's the promise? 
He'll direct your path. When you stand at the crossroads of decision, if you're doing those things, God will turn the green light on that way and say, follow me. Follow me. And so many decisions in life, friend, they're already settled by God's word. They're absolutely settled. He's already given us such clarity. And if you've never been saved, you, you may be here this morning. It's like, well, I'm just not sure if this is, I know, I know I've never been saved, but I'm, I'm just not sure if I need to be saved. If I, if I could just have a sure word from God. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 says, Behold, now is accepted time. What? Today's the day of salvation. God's already told you. When does God want a lost person to be saved? Right now. Right now, you don't have to wait. You don't have to pray about it. Well, I just wonder when God wants me to get saved. Today. Today's the day. He said so in his word. He said, well, I'm, just, I'm not sure if I should be baptized or not. If you've been saved, the first act of obedience, Matthew 28, is to be baptized. That's the first act of it. It doesn't make you saved. It shows you have been saved. It is a command, and it's by immersion. God's clearly told us that in his word. If you've got unrepented sin in your life, so, well, I'm, just, I'm not sure when I really need to break away from this, whatever this is. You know, I think, I think I'll be okay. You know, Proverbs chapter 28, and verse number 13 is, is, a, great, is a great verse, but it's, it has a negative effect on our life. It says, he who covers his sins will not prosper. You can't cover your sin and be okay. It'll stink, it'll sour, but whoever confesses and forsakes them, God says, you'll find mercy. You don't need to pray about it. You just need to repent of it. If Jesus isn't Lord of your life, Matthew 6, says, He is to be Lord of your life. If you're not living on mission, Acts 1, 8, Matthew 28, the Bible already tells us. And it may be a specific decision lesson, a specific decision that the Bible's silent on. The Word of God claims, Psalm 119, it will be a lamp in your feet and a light in your path. His precious Holy Spirit, friend, will speak peace into your life. He'll open doors and He'll close doors. But when we stand at those crossroads, we have to choose to faithfully follow God's Word. Third night closed this morning. We must choose to fully fulfill the mission. They had a choice to make. Keep talking about Jesus, keep preaching the gospel, keep inviting people to be saved, or stop talking. Keep preaching about Jesus, you're going to face hardship. Stop talking about Jesus, you can blend in with the others that are just drifting along in their lostness. They had a choice to make. And what was their choice? Fully fulfill the mission. I want you to underscore that word fully. Fully fulfill the mission. Well, Gamaliel gives some good advice. He says, look, there have been two other fellows that rose up. They claimed to be somebody. There was a following. They started following them. But listen, it wasn't of God. God wasn't in it. And it drifted off to nothing. But then he gave some really strong encouragement. He says, listen, Verse number 39, but if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it. You can't overthrow it, lest even you be found to fight against God. He says, if, God, if it's of God, it won't fail. Why? Because God's at work in the midst of it. And friend, that's all to be an encouragement. I, I, I've talked to so many believers who are so discouraged watching the news listening to current events, you are absolutely, like I am, disgusted that there are American citizens in Afghanistan that were left behind. You're disgusted at that. You're disgusted with anything. I mean, whoever thought you'd get excited when you go to the gas pump and gas is at 269. You're like, whoo, praise the Lord, it's down to 269. There's so many negative things that are happening in our country. Leadership. And it can bring us to a place of absolute despair. But friend, I want to remind you, God's still on the throne. He said He was coming back for His church. He'll come back for His church. He said He'd never leave us. He'd never forsake us. And He'll never do it. He'll never do it. And so that ought to be an encouragement to us this day. If God is at work in something, man cannot thwart it. When God wants to move, He's going to move. He's going to move. And so that tells me, friend, that in these days, as a body of believers here at Greenwood, if we'll just stay focused on the Word, we'll push away from fear, we'll stay focused on the mission, and we'll choose to fully fulfill the mission, all of hell can't overthrow what God wants to do through this church family. All of God. 
As a mom and dad and grandparents, you want to train, listen, you want to train your child in the way that they should go so when they're old, they'll not depart from it. Hell can't stand against that training. That child and grandchild may choose not to follow it, but they can't stop the sowing of true seeds and true doctrine from making it into the hearts and minds of those children. Can't overthrow it. If you want to be faithful to live on mission, they may take your life from but they can't stop what God wants to do through. And even though you may die, listen, we're going to see next week, Stephen died, but his death ended up speaking and leading Paul to faith in Jesus Christ. So you may die, but your martyrdom and your example will go on and keep speaking. And so we have to choose to fully. What do I mean by fully? They would have been perfectly fine. Don't miss this. If they would have kept meeting, gathered groups together, they didn't have to preach and teach the Judaic religious teachings. But just don't talk about Jesus. Just don't say he's the only way. Just don't talk about repentance. Don't talk about sin. Don't talk about lordship. You can keep meeting, but don't go all in like you've been talking about. Just, just ease up a little bit. And friend, that's what's happened in America. Churches meet Sunday after Sunday and have for almost 75 years. America went down on its knees at World War II, friend. They stood up at victory and they never went back down again. We're about to hit an anniversary for 9-11. I remember preaching in the beginning of the revival, the first Sunday after 9-11. Now, I remember everybody said, boy, there'll be, and there's going to be a change in America. There'll be revival like there's never been. And friend, I'm telling you, the next Sunday, you, you wouldn't have known it even happened. Now, I heard that with COVID. Boy, there's going to be, boy, there's going to be a revival. Are you kidding me? And so the, the reason America's in the shape that it's in is because churches have not fully followed the mission. They meet. And heaven knows they eat, because that's what church is really about. Got to have food in the fellowship. Got to take trips. Got to field trips. Oh, I got to have a mission trip somewhere. Let's get a mission trip going. But they failed to reach, to teach, and to encourage. To build disciples, to replicate, to be salt, and to be light. Because when you do that, you don't run in the mainstream. And so these guys had to make a decision. They said, no, we're going to fully follow the Lord. Man, they beat him again, tried to personally intimidate them. And you know the question had to be, well, what do we do now? What are we going to do? And they all got together and said, well, I'll tell you exactly what we're going to do. They stepped out, verse number 41, and they lifted their hands to heaven. And they thought about when they saw their Savior hanging on the cross, bloodied and mangled, a crown of thorns upon his head, Blood running down from his hands and his feet. His side that had been wounded. We saw it. They heard his voice as he looked down and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Peter had to remember that rooster crowing and the failure that was in his heart. But then he remembered too when the, when the women came and said, And Peter, the, the, the angel said that he's alive, he's not dead. But he had a message for you too. He's alive, he's giving you a second chance. And they had to remember that. And the Bible says they went out and they lifted their hands and they started praising the Lord that they were worthy to suffer just like Jesus had. And they made a decision. We're not just going to go with the flow. We're going to be fully faithful to what God has called us to do. And because of that, friend, there's a church sitting at Greenwood here today. The gospel went forth. It went out. Stephen got saved. A man by the name of Paul stood, that Saul stood there and watched him get his brains bashed in by a rock. Acts chapter 9, he gets saved. God calls him to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And it keeps spreading and spreading and moving to a bunch of people got on the boat, sailed from England over here. Colonies were planted. People began to move. People settled into this area. Some settled on the other side of the mountain in western North Carolina. I heard the gospel. You heard the gospel. And there's a church here at Greenwood. And here we are this morning because people fully followed the word of God. They fully followed. And so the easy thing to do is to drift along. And I've heard it. Well, Brother Chad, we just don't want to run anybody off. Where are you going to run them off to? Hell number two? 
Lost people are already lost. And anybody that would leave a church for fully preaching and teaching God's Word, they need to get saved. And so we stand at crossroads in these days. And I can't speak for you, but I'm telling you, me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. And when Jesus comes back, I want to be found fully serving Christ. Not just drifting along trying to keep everybody happy. But living on mission, reaching, teaching, and encouraging. What crossroads do you stand at this morning? Have you ever been saved? You need to choose Christ today. Have you been saved but you've never been baptized? Your walk with Christ will never grow until you get baptism on the right side of salvation. It's always after salvation. You're still not reading your Bible and praying in the morning? You need to start. God's been laying upon your heart. There's someone that's lost that needs to be saved, and you need to go tell them how. You need to go do it. Whatever the decision, James 4, 17, to him it knoweth do good and doeth it not. To him it is You've got sin in your life. And you need to have obedience. Turn from it this morning. As you stand at the crossroads, choose to follow the Lord. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. What's God leading you to do? If you've not trusted Christ, choose Him right now. He died for you. He loves you. He shed His blood. He wants to cleanse you from all your sin. But you've got to choose to turn and receive Him to be Lord of your life. If you've never done that, do it right now. He's looking, he's listening, and he's waiting to receive you. If you'll simply choose to turn and trust him today. Tell him so just like this where you sit. Jesus, forgive me, a sinner. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the grave. And right now, here this morning, as I stand at this crossroads of decision, I'm trusting you to be Lord of my life. Take me now. Make me. Mold me into the man or woman you want me to be. I'll serve you for the rest of my life. That's my decision. Friend, I'm not going to go through another list. If you've been saved, and you house the Holy Spirit, and you do if you've been saved, if there's a crossroads you're standing at, He's impressing upon your heart the decision God wants you to go. Will you yield to the easy road that Satan's shining the light on? Or will you choose to walk forward in faithfulness following the one whom you said you'll be a disciple of? Father, I pray you'll speak to your church this morning. God, I pray that we'll be encouraged in what are difficult days to serve you and going to get even more difficult. I pray that our surrendered commitment will be we're going to follow your word. We're going to fearlessly fulfill what you've called us to do. We're going to follow your word. And we're going to fully, fully, not partially, fully fulfill the Great Commission. Every part of it. We don't care what any other church does or thinks or any other person. We just want you to be pleased with what you find in our hearts, in our lives, and the doctrine we live out, the mission we live out here in this church family as we're deployed away from this place wherever our sphere of influence is. Speak to us today. God, pray for decisions that need to be made. As we stand at those crossroads, might your perfect will be done right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's reverently stand to our feet. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you trusted Christ in any way.